I can't recommend tabletop gaming enough as a high value hobby, especially right now. This is Frugal Living. This podcast is brought to you by Brad's Deals, a team of real people dedicated to helping consumers. In this episode, we'll talk about board games, computer games, and tabletop role-playing games. We're going to be looking for deals on all of those things, and we're going to be talking about the best ways to spend our time. I'm Jim Marcus. I'm Samantha Nelson. I'm a freelance games writer covering uh, tabletop and digital games for websites including the AV Club, Dicebreaker, Polygon, Windows Central, iMore, and Android Central. I'm also a member of the Critical Hit podcast. So where do you go to find deals on board games? Board games are pretty expensive. And so I would say the first thing that you want to do before committing to any board game purchase is if at all possible to try it because there are games that you will play once and be like, that isn't for me, even if you're a, a really dedicated board game fan like me. And then there are ones that you'll get huge value out of them. Uh, so one of the things that I would actually recommend people do right now is um, go to um, printandplay.asmodee.fun. Um, Asmodee is one of the biggest board game publishers in the country. And um, for the pandemic, they've really ramped up their print and play options. And if you're not familiar with that, that means that you have kind of miniature versions of games that you can just print out at home and try. And if you don't have a printer at home, I honestly don't. You can always just put the game on a thumb drive and take it to your local office store and they'll print it. And then you have a little arts and crafts project where you cut out pieces and tape a game board together. And then you can always test the game uh, before you actually commit to the price. Honestly, I wouldn't have even thought to bring up the idea of print and play. You talk about frugal ways to test out games. It doesn't get any more frugal than free. Yeah, exactly. Another way, again, to try to buy before you buy is, you know, consider going to a, um, a local gaming cafe or a store. A lot of them have these games libraries where you can just pull things off the shelf and try them. And then obviously they're, you know, you're supporting a local business uh, and they'll let you buy them obviously on the spot if you like it. Now, because of COVID, if you don't feel comfortable with doing that, you can always watch a Let's Play video or a game demo on YouTube. Uh, there are a lot of great content creators producing things like that. So you can kind of get a feel for how the game plays. So it'll give you a good idea of how competitive it is, how complicated it is, who is going to be good for, again, before you commit. Plus, these online game demos, these video game demos on YouTube and I guess even on podcasts, they're also entertainment. You can watch people play all sorts of like role-playing games, tabletop games for kind of free, free entertainment for lifetimes, I guess, at this point. Yeah, exactly. Hop around, find some styles of games that you like that way. And especially even if you don't have someone to play the game with yourself, you can watch other people to game and get some vicarious thrills from that. Asmani makes a bunch of really well-known games. I, I didn't know about the free print-and-play. I think that's incredible. But I do know they make some of my favorite tabletop games, which is a lot for any one producer yeah. or any one publisher. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I mean, so they currently have, like, print-and-plays of Catan, you know, obviously one of the best board game known board games in the world, Ticket to Ride, Pandemic, which might be a little on the nose right now, <laughs> uh, Carcassonne, which is like a, a really classic tile placement game. And yeah, and they also make a wide range in terms of very casual games like Love Letter that you can pick up the rules to and play a full game of it within five minutes. You know, kind of crossover games like Seven Wonders. 
one of my favorite styles board games are ones that are competitive but non-interactive, your classic Euro-style games that kind of value strategy and uh, and personal effort over trying to specifically screw your neighbor. And so there are a lot of good games for that. You know, fully cooperative games if you got family. A lot of good options. I love that. Can we dive into that a little bit more? I'm pretty familiar with these types of games myself, but I know a lot of people listening might not realize uh, that there are different schools of thought in board games right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think most Americans, when you say board games, they're going to think about uh, Monopoly. And Monopoly is, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I played a lot of Monopoly as a kid, but it is not a great game from a game development point of view. It's long. If you get ahead, you're probably going to stay ahead. A lot of board game design has become more sophisticated over the past, say, 20 you know, 30 years. Part of that has been an uh, influx of design aesthetic from Europe. So there's this school of thought called the Euro game. And that's what I was talking about, kind of like your much less competitive board games that are about you build your own machine or engine. You usually have some common resource that people are somewhat competing over, but you're going to succeed more if you focus on your own thing as opposed to being actively hostile to the other players. And so you know, you have now more board games from Europe being imported and then more American companies that are making games in that style. You also have things that are fully cooperative. So things like Pandemic, for that matter, is that's one of the most iconic cooperative board games. But there are a lot of other good examples I was going to recommend. Um, one of my favorites is the Pathfinder Adventure card game, which is if you you know are a, a role-playing enthusiast, but again, don't have like, say, a, a GM or a regular role-playing group, you can get a board game that will kind of replicate that experience of having different characters and fighting monsters and, and going through a story. And the advantage of a cooperative game is that you hopefully have a lot less fights because no one, you're, you're fighting against the board. Basically, there's like an, a, effectively a cardboard artificial intelligence where at certain things, you flip certain cards and certain things happen. And then you have players have to react or prepare to try to deal with that. So they're really good for especially families or, or friends that don't like the stress of competition. They're a good way to introduce someone. If you're, say, a slightly more seasoned board gamer and want to introduce someone to the hobby, a, a cooperative game is good for that as well. I love that. I know there's some people who prefer cooperative games entirely, uh, especially at a time where we can't leave our houses or we're discouraged from leaving our houses and we're kind of surrounded by the same people all the time. It can be... Uh, uh, a good thing to have an external uh, competition competing against the game rather than competing against the person you're sharing your space with. Yeah, absolutely. Unless that's the kind of relationship you have. You know? <laughs> if you constantly compete all the time, maybe it'll be perfect for you. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to recommend there's some, um, especially if you say are only in the house with your spouse, there are some good options on, on both sides for just like, say, games that you can play with two players. One of my favorite competitive games in that space is actually a game called Seven Ronin. It's asymmetrical, which is another kind of design choice, which means that rather than, say, all players having the same resources and the same objectives, um, the players have very different resources and objectives. So in this case, it's basically a board game version of uh, Seven Samurai in that one player is playing your Seven Ronin which are these kind of uh, awesome, powerful uh, warriors. And then the other is playing, I think it's a hundred ninja. It's just like an enormous army of ninja. And, <laughs> and so their, their both goal is to like this Ronin are trying to protect this space and this, the ninja are trying to invade it and they're trying to fight each other. And there's a lot of social deduction because you plan your uh, moves 
behind like a little screen and then you reveal the screen to show where you're doing it. So there's a lot of like double thing to try to figure out where everyone's going to be going and what things are going to be left undefended. It's a really fun game. It is competitive, but it's hard to get too angry about because it's it's just it's pretty fast and pretty light. Yeah, I, I feel that way about have you played That's My Fish? I have not played that one. It is one of the simplest games I've ever encountered. Super inexpensive. I think it's like $15 not on sale. And it's a very small board, and you play as one team of penguins. It's designed for like seven up, so it's it's designed for super kid-friendly. You start on a specific tile, and it's an ice flow. And every tile you move to, you take the tile you were just on off the board. Mm. So it's like a diminishing board size, and it's very much a compete-over-territory type game. That's great. It's super simple, but it's the most competitive game I've ever played that's not like chess or go where it's you know it's ruthless it's great yeah and and so I decided to search for that and which also brought me to another point that I was going to say which is that a lot of um board games are now also available in app form so apparently like there's a uh that's my fish app for android that's a dollar so again if you want to just try these uh board games really stress-free you know there are a lot of them that are available for free or very cheaply on your smartphone which is a great way to try that out and again if you like it and you want to have the experience of sharing it with other people uh in a board game form then you can commit to that but if you just want to try a bunch of games you know you can get them for very little we talked about board games but what about people who play games on their computer where's the best place to find video game deals for pc or mac Some of the best deals that you can find are usually going to be on Steam or on itch.io. Steam is a company that basically they run a service that makes it really easy to download and play games through um, a portal that you use on your PC. And that lets you say, if you have the game and you buy a new computer, you don't need to worry about where the disk is. You just have your account. You log into it and download whatever games you want. And so because they're all digitally downloads, they tend to be a lot cheaper than anything that's in your your disc form. You can get to some degree, like some of your new releases, but you're also going to find a lot of indie games. Another neat thing about Steam is that it has increasingly become a place for developers to test out their new products. So there's a service called Steam Early Access. And basically developers that are still working on something will put it on Steam for a period of time and probably release bits of content over time and really look to the community to help them develop uh, the game. So tell them what they like, what they don't like, where the bugs are. It can be a highly varied experience. There are some Steam early access games that I've tried that are basically unplayable, whereas others are a fairly polished experience, but with some, say, glaring issues that, that need to be fixed. And you can usually get a deal. If you are in early access, you'll pay less than what you would for the full game when it releases new. And you still have access. Yes, like exactly. That stays around. You know, as soon as it launches, you just download a patch and it updates to whatever the real game is. We've talked about board games and we've talked about video games, but tabletop role-playing games are a phenomenon totally unlike the others. My husband, Kevin, and uh, I are both very, very enthusiastic uh, tabletop role-playing game players. And uh, we talk a lot about how much value we get out of our um, out of our gaming books. And the incredible thing is that a lot of tabletop role-playing games, again, are just free. You know, you don't even need the book. 
so like if you want to say play a powered by the apocalypse game like most of those are just free on the internet if you start like looking at other games you can just like download a pdf for a very low amount of money you know when you get into like the hardcover books and don't get me wrong i love the hardcover books i love flipping through a um gaming book and looking at the art and coming up with ideas just based on the images and like having things easy to um reference in a way that like say scrolling through a big pdf might not be but again if you're considering playing a uh, tabletop game or running a tabletop game i highly recommend looking up free rules online or downloading a pdf first so that you don't get too committed and really don't get too committed in terms of like oh well if i'm gonna run D &D, i need to have all the D D books because that is not true but yeah the the amount of time that you can generate for not just yourself but for like five other people by running a, a game of any type of tabletop role-playing is incredible. You know, you can do it for your kids. You can do it for your friends. You can do it for your spouse. Like you can do it remotely. I've been the vast majority of my gaming uh, since the pandemic has been uh, remotely through tools like Roll20 or just Skype or Discord, which let me keep in touch with people who are around the country that I normally would be visiting this time of year. I go to typically multiple gaming conventions every year and they were all canceled. And that was a huge shame, but I've still been able to play with people uh, around the country and kind of <laughs> escape from reality, but also just, you know, catch up. And in some ways, you know, there are games that are pure escapism. There are games that really let you deal with exploring some deep topics based on the themes of the game or the themes that your game master wants to deal with. So I, I can't recommend tabletop gaming enough as a high value hobby, especially right now. There's this big explosion in culture that's making Dungeons and Dragons specifically very popular. And I think a lot of that has to do with Stranger Things and the prevalence, and, and honestly, even before that, like Freaks and Geeks, things where you'd see Dungeons and Dragons, you know, a bunch of kids around a table in the basement of a house playing like a fantasy role-playing game. Seeing that in media, I think has really made a lot of people curious about what this means. You're super right about Dungeons and Dragons and, and tabletop role playing having this enormous resurgence. And I think a lot of that comes from the reason it's in media is that the people who are making art today say grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. And while that was like a lot more of a weird taboo thing in like the 70s and 80s, um, you know, now um, when people are doing it, uh, it teaches you about storytelling. It teaches you about conflict resolution. And uh, and I think that it's it's legitimately a really useful tool as well as just being a lot of fun if people wanted to hear you play dungeons and dragons where could they do that conveniently i'm actually a member of the critical hit podcast so if you go to majorspoilers.com or just uh search for critical hit uh wherever you get your podcasts you'll find me i didn't join the critical hit podcast until season four so um while you know i certainly recommend starting from the beginning um if you start there you won't hear me for a while Critical Hit started as a uh, fourth edition D&D game, but has since kind of migrated to doing a variety of different systems. Um, so you can find me, say, running Pathfinder. You'll find some a bunch of smaller games like Sentinels of the Multiverse or Powered by the Apocalypse games or Fate games. Um, so I'd recommend checking that out. Sam is an expert on board games, video games, tabletop role-playing games, and I think that's clear from our conversation. 
I really enjoyed hearing about Asmati's free print-and-play games, and I think that's a service that I'll definitely try. For video games, specifically computer games, Steam has a lot of good deals. We'll have links to a lot of these places in our show notes. If you like Frugal Living, please share it with a friend, or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to my friend and our guest, Samantha Nelson. Our story editor is H. Borkowski, and I'm Jim Marcus. Frugal Living is brought to you by Brad's Deals, a team of proud consumer advocates who scour the internet every day for the best prices on, well, everything. That's B-R-A-D-S-D-E-A-L-S dot com.